Greetings, adventure. Welcome to the D20 Academy podcast. I'm Shiloh. And I'm Gabriel, and this week is episode 58, our rant on 5th edition. Alright, so this week we're going to be going over all the things that we don't like, the things that irritate us, and things we wish 5th edition had changed or done differently. Uh, This is just going to be a mostly unstructured rant about those things, so sit down, grab a drink, and enjoy the ride. Yeah, this is, it's going to be chaotic and amazing. Uh, so much fun. Hey, guys, if you want to keep up with what we're doing here at D20 Academy, a, a, t- a ton of cool stuff, really, um, that we're starting to do, and I'm finding other cool things. Anyway, you're going to find out all about it on our Instagram at D20 underscore Academy. You can follow us there. And uh, mostly, though, uh, you should join our Discord. Um, you can join our Discord from messaging us on Instagram or whatever. Um, in there, we do, like, homebrew spotlights. We just talk about things we, we go over the our previous episodes like last week we did a class rebuild on the barbarian that's so cool how fun is that um and then also we have a youtube channel <laughs> if you want to listen to the episodes there uh and maybe someday i'll also put other kind of content up there uh I, there's a we're doing a lot of stuff here though so i'm kind of busy um but also that stuff is really cool hey let's get into the episode all right hey gabe how's it hey. going um, it's all right. It's you know, what? Right. I have a, um, I just realized something. So, you know, for my audio to be as beautiful and clear and crisp as it is, um, mm. I, I use, you know, you know, I use that recording device. Um, but I usually have to, it just, it picks up a lot of stuff. So I have to close my windows and turn off my fan and stuff. So it usually gets very hot in my room while I'm recording, um, because that's like the only way I can soundproof. Um, I live in a, a house with many, many children, so there's lots of noises. Um, but I... It's an orphanage. <laughs> Plot twist. <clears throat> um, I got a coffee because I need some caffeine right now, and it's not a nice coffee. It's a hot coffee, and so I'm going to sweat so much. Um, you're welcome. You need to know that. <laughs> hey... You know I was what? wondering if I was leading anywhere. No, nope, just I'm gonna suffer. Yeah, it's making me so hot. I might even gain a level of exhaustion <laughs> from this. Uh, oh, are we gonna talk about that today? Um, uh, no, hey, you know we talked about Discord in our intro that you just heard, and mm. you know we actually f- we came up with the idea for this episode from our Discord. Ain't that right, Gabe? Uh huh. Yes, that is true. So, we want to give a thanks to at Topaz Herald. Oh, that's how you say it, right? Topaz I think so, Herald, yeah. for inspiring this week's episode. And for Dwarfish, also another person on our Discord, for suggesting last week's episode topic on Dungeons. Uh, no, sorry, that was not last week. Two weeks ago. Sorry, I typo. Two weeks? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so... Oh my goodness. We have a whole channel for suggestions. Um, if you want to just suggest something that, that, you know, that you're struggling with or that you want some more information on or you want our opinion on, if you join our Discord, you can put it into the hashtag suggestions channel. We'll, we're, we're looking at it. We're going to look at it. We're going to discuss it, see what we can do. Um, Dwarfish was like, hey, uh, I, I, if you guys could do an episode on like how to build dungeons, uh, I kind of want some help there. So that so then we did the five-room dungeon episode. Topaz Herald was like, this is super minor, but like looting and treasure rules is weird and hard in fifth edition and me and gabe were like hey 
We can't help you with that. Um, but what we can do is join in your suffering and complain about it. And thus, 5th edition rant was born. Um, maybe <laughs> if this episode is successful, we can start a series where, like, every few months we rant about something. Uh, maybe 5th edition, maybe a different system or whatever it is. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, maybe the uh, the Avatar the Last Airbender uh, furry community... We can do a whole episode on that or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. <laughs> I don't know what that So for this was. episode, we have just like a bunch of subtopics that we're going to be going through and ranting about in no particular order. So let's get into it. Yep. All right. Start us off. Why do you hate the DMG so much? <laughs> I don't... Okay. <clears throat> do I hate the DMG? That's a good question. Uh, the answer is it certainly yes. seems like it. Yes and no, but mostly yes. Um, do I? I don't hate it. I just think it's a waste of paper and space. And um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the DMG, the Dungeon Master's Guide, um, is one of the third supposedly core books of Fifth Edition. Um, there's Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, and DMG. Um, I. Only I started playing. I only had the player's handbook. After playing for a couple months, I got the monster manual. And after playing for about one and a half years, I finally got the DMG. Um, that should tell you how useful it is. I didn't need it for one and a half years of GMing or DMing. Um, <laughs> it does not have a lot of useful information. Or that's not true. It's very niche information, I'll say. <laughs> and yeah, I don't like the way it's it just... ordered. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm not interrupting. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Like, yeah, a lot of it's very niche. It starts off on the wrong foot, telling you about things that you really don't care about. about like the outer planes and such. That's not what you want from a Dungeon Master's Why Guide. You want to know how about... to play the game better. Why does it talk about the planes? Why? Why does it talk about the planes? <laughs> At the beginning of it's the book. the first thing you need to know as a DM. So weird. Um, it's like starting like a book on like, uh, like world building, and the first thing you talk about is extraplanar travel. Yeah. That isn't necessarily important to the world or the so, story so or whack. whatever. <laughs> but speaking of, look out for a world building episode literally just on extraplanar <laughs> travel. <laughs> um, it's just. And also, they just give, like, two paragraphs description. So it's, like, enough so you understand what the plane is, but not enough for you to do anything about that information. It's just weird. Like, I'd rather like a Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes kind of book, where they, like, really detail all the planes. A supplement that you can buy if you want. If you want your campaign to be like that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, first thing that... I, I guess my first complaint about the DNG is that it's not... It's not a core book. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the only all. core thing that I like really know about in the DMG is just like exploration rules. I mean, there's some like uh, random tables you can roll on for for like environments and yeah. what you might run into and stuff. Yeah. Look, but it's just it's just buried. I'm gonna be honest. I don't really know what I want in a DMG. Okay. I don't know what they should put in there really. Okay. I think that they should have. A massive section 
detailing how to run a campaign and how to craft adventures and take your hand through that process for new DMs. I think that would be extremely helpful, literally just going through the process of building a campaign. Um, however, if they did do that, I couldn't sell my course, which will be released very soon. Look out for that, guys. Um, <laughs> which tells you exactly how to build a campaign from the ground up. I literally take your hand through that. Um, but anyway, that would be really helpful. They nice do, plug. They do talk about making adventures, kind of. Um, they, they talk about like the different genres of a campaign, which is cool. I think that's cool. But uh, I, I don't know. It's just you don't need it. <laughs> I use it the most for All right. alternate rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think... Alright, another thing that has to do with DMing. Challenge rating and counter building. Oh my gosh. <sighs> oh my... Challenge rating is just so all over the place. Dude. Challenge rating sucks. <laughs> it's... Okay. Pathfinder has... Is like... When I read, when we got second Pathfinder 2nd Edition, when me and Gabe and our friends were like starting to look through that, and we got to the part where they explain it, building encounters, I cried. On I was so <laughs> happy. Because it's not amazing. It's, it's good. It's, it's, it's a, it, they have a great system of building encounters. It's not amazing, but it's just because my only experience was with 5th Edition D&D that it was beautiful. Um... Their system is amazing, and makes sense. <laughs> yep. It just yep. makes sense. It's like, here's how you build an encounter, the different varying levels of difficulty, depending on the level of your enemies, opposed to the level of your heroes. Here's how much XP you get. Also, a cool thing is that XP is not really weird. So in D&D, you, you, yeah. you, you keep counting your XP... And the level, the amount of XP you need to get to the next level keeps changing, obviously, because you're counting it all. In Pathfinder, you get to 1,000, you level up, you reset back to zero. Um, and so, then that means everything, every encounter building and ex spending XP on monsters and traps and stuff and encounters is all re just relative, which makes it really nice. So it's not based on if your players are this level, then they get this, or whatever, if that makes sense. Because you're just matching just everything to their XP. level. Yeah, you're going to get yeah. the same amount of XP no matter what. Uh, if you're 5th level or 20th level for the same difficulty encounter. Mm -hmm. But difficulty relative to you, right? Is, is what I mean. Um, yeah. It's just nice and smoother. and it's But in D&D, dude, it's so hard for new DMs to build encounters. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, our friend, he DM'd a, a 5e game the other day, and he's been DMing for maybe... A year or two. And it was almost a TPK. It was the first fight we got into at the beginning of the campaign. Um, we were all we started third level. It was almost a TPK. And I don't think that's his fault at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the fault of how confusing challenge ratings are. I mean, it's just... <sighs> also, because challenge rating, like, it's not, like... Like a linear system. You know? There are like just like some like breaks in challenge rating, you're like just like with like players where like oh challenge rating can like jump up and down like in power level compared to the players. It's just not like 
oh, six is a little bit stronger than five, and seven is a little bit stronger than six, necessarily. And sometimes there are creatures that are, like, challenge rating three, they're going to be harder to beat for your party than challenge rating five. Yeah. And that's just a, that's just a matter of, like, monster design. But I'm just saying, like, the system and how they define, like, what challenge rating things are, it yeah. just doesn't, it doesn't help. Yeah, so, appar- okay, so apparently, in a challenge rating, a... The, the monster's challenge rating, if it's challenge rating 1, that is equal to 4 first level characters. If it's challenge rating 3, that's equal to 4 third level characters. Um, first of all, that is not true. <laughs> um, at all. I, um, I ran an encounter the first session of our two and a half year long campaign. Our big D&D campaign. Um, the very first session, everyone's first level, okay? I have a party of maybe six. At the end of that session, they faced off against six first challenge rating one creatures. Each one fought their own. That was stupid of me, and they, a lot of them almost died. But they won. (laughs) They succeeded. I, so it's like, so then does, but that's, but that's not completely true. A challenge rating one does not equal one first level character either. It is more powerful. It's, it's just so confusing. It's just so confusing. Also, like, the way that, like, encounters are balanced is to have, like, you know, longer adventuring days. You know? Which, I get it. I get it. That just serves to make it more confusing. So not everyone is going to work like that. So if they worked on like a smaller scale, we're like, okay, this is going to be, a, if this is like the only encounter that day, then it's going to work like this. Like this is going to be the, the difficulty for that. But, and you can like work off of that. Like, okay, so if I'm having four encounters that day, then I can reduce it by this much or reduce the amount of creatures by this much. But no, they plan, okay, what is the number? I'm looking at the number right now. Where it's like the intended amount of encounters per day. Okay, should have six to eight medium or hard combat encounters per day. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Six to eight. <laughs> Dude. What? What? I have. I have ne. Dude, that's like three sessions per day of just fighting. <laughs> Fights take a long time. Right, like people play like half day sessions. I am like, so lost. Six. Like the entire like you know like three to four hours that they're playing. It's like just from like when they wake up to noon. Like, what? I mean, okay, there's a lot of things wrong with that. First, no. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> that that does not line up. Like, I don't think your party can do six to eight medium to hard encounters per day. Because even if you have short rest, which is fine, I, I they, you know, with, it said with intended two, two short rests in that day. 
You only regain half your amount of hit dice when you take a long rest, not all of them. So, mm-hmm. you'd have to spend only half your hit dice between those two short rests. That's just not true. You're going to die if you're doing six to eight. Or eventually, after like three days, you're going to have like no hit dice left. Um, also, okay, sorry. It, yeah, go ahead. I, I, like, I'm reading like a forum where people are talking about like, you know, the adventuring day. Mm-hmm. And there's this one guy who DMs, their uh, sessions are like four to five hours long. Mm-hmm. Each session is like half a day. All right. Mm-hmm. And he uses the optional rules for a short rest is an overnight rest and a long rest is several days. And they do six encounters per session. <laughs> what? How? How? <laughs> How? I'm confused. Um, sorry. Anyway, so not only is that bad design, it actually doesn't make sense. Also, um, that's not fun. <laughs> um, okay, it's, it's not fun for us, but I, I get it. Some people just really like yeah. going... And doing a lot of combat encounters yeah, okay, in okay. session. Yes. Okay. Okay, that is fine. But, Let's, like... Okay, let, yes, no, sorry. It is fine to like combat and love just playing combat. That's totally fine. There's those kind of players. Actually, we talk about it in our episode, Player Types. Um, but... I, fifth edition was like, let's bring role-playing back into the, the, the conversation with backgrounds and ideals and bonds and flaws. And, like, make it about the characters again. And not so much about the nitty-gritty combat details like 4th edition, which people were irritated about. And then, the, and then they're also, like, 6 to 8 combat encounters every day. <laughs> That's how things are balanced. Take it or leave it. You're just... Your story's not gonna progress. <laughs> with 6 to 8 combat encounters every day. <laughs> Let me just how? tell you. <laughs> you have to... Your campaign setting has to be... The darkest world. <laughs> that your characters are fighting six times. <laughs> like, everybody Bro, in the world wants okay, to kill I'm them. Still, like that guy I was just talking about. How do, like, how do you have, like, 12 combat encounters in a single day in that world? Like, 12? What? That is insane. I... Anyway, yeah. Um, okay. Also, like they have That's a whole weird. table. I think it's it, I think it's at the beginning of the monster manual, where like how to build encounters with challenge rating, and then like make your XP budget from this and this and this. But then if there's multiple monsters, multiply it by this and then divide it by this. Seriously, it's that complex. <laughs> and not only is it totally not true, I tried doing it once, and it was the worst balanced encounter I've ever made. Um. <laughs> it's like the moment you had another like monster it, it, it's just you have to make everyone like really weak now or something it's it's really weird and it, it, it just like it's bad dude it's just so bad their system of telling you how to build encounters and plus challenge rating it's so difficult for new dms i feel so bad i mean it happened to me of course when you know nowadays though i literally just have to build everything off like the party and just I've played enough to understand the party level's, like, power level. 
And I don't use monster stats anymore. I just make my own monster stats now to reflect what's going to be good for the party. Because also, uh, you know, like, I will make a challenge rating. Let's, you know, at the end of our last campaign, okay, everyone's 20th level. They're going to... The, the bad guy has to be really powerful. So I'm like, okay, i got to make a challenge rating 30. And let me look at the few challenge rating 30 creatures that exist. And then base it off of those stats as like a, you know... As a baseline, so baseline. for balance. Yeah. yeah. But first of all, I had to make him a little bit stronger just because you guys had some really powerful magic weapons and stuff. But I had to like quadruple his health. I mean, there was okay. I did have two paladins in the party, so maybe that's a reason. <laughs> uh, and by the way, we're getting the paladins. Don't think we're not going to talk about paladins. We're getting the episode. paladins. We're getting the paladins. Um, but also like. I had to, like, because now that I'd played enough, you know, or that campaign was going on for a very long time, I, I totally understood the, the party's power level and stuff, just because we'd been playing for so long, that I knew mm -hmm. that I had to quadruple <laughs> the Tarasks max health <laughs> for this to be a balanced encounter. Um, but, I mean, just, man, it's so rough. Mm. Yeah. And can you talk about Unwelcome Spirits? The encounters that they told you to do? Oh, yeah, while we're on this, the encounters were crazy! For first level characters? Crazy! And I didn't do, like, any random encounters. I'm sure a lot of the random encounters were, weren't, like, combat things, but there were some, like... So, like, I just... Gah. Like, they expect you to fight six harpies... <laughs> ...at first level. <laughs> when you might have had to, like, fight something else during the day. Six harpies... They even think that they do before, like, the combat starts, where they try and, like, um... Uh, it's, like, some sort of magical effect that, like... Luring song. Charms. Yeah, luring song or whatever. And charms the players. And they do that, like, before, like, the encounter starts, like, according to, like, the guide for the adventure. And I'm just so confused how a party of... Like I say, yeah, we're, like, four people in our party. So... That's like an average party. How are four first level characters supposed to deal with six creatures? Challenge rating one. They can fly. Challenge rating creatures, one. they can fly. They each have 38 hit points. They yeah. each have multi-attack. And if they hit both their attacks, their average damage is what? Eight? Average damage. <sighs> Plus, they can charm the- Dude. Oh, oh, and have six to eight of these fights every day. <laughs> <laughs> what? So, it's not just, is it hard for you to make your own encounters? Some of the printed, pre-made encounters are unbalanced. Dude. Um, so, Unwelcome Spirits is the actual play series that we had. Go listen to it if you haven't, it was really fun. But it is an official 5th edition product, the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. There's a couple adventures mm -hmm. in there. And Gabe runs one of them for us. And the first encounter we have is against, like, two poisonous snake groups or something. Like, snake yeah, swarms. Yeah. And they deal, like, 3d6 damage or something insane. <laughs> to first level characters. Right, you just get, like, insta-killed. And... We're recording, right? And I didn't want to, like, disrupt the recording or anything, so we're in combat. 
and our cameras are turned on, our webcams. And I'm looking at Gabe, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> my face is like, what is going on? We're gonna die. <laughs> and he's looking back like, dude, I'm, I, he's like, I gotta, his face was like, I gotta start changing things up. Because you guys are gonna I know, die. I was like, <laughs> I was like tweaking things on the go, like in between, they're like, uh, I should see yeah and then, and then um we're gonna reduce <laughs> and then after after the after the recording um i'm like yo so what was that and he's like dude i had to cut two of the snakes <laughs> he's like i halved the amount of <laughs> he's like i already have the amount of monsters you had to fight before we even got in the encounter and it was still unbalanced <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no thank you um yeah, really rough. Horrible. Okay, here. see, here's here's what it was. Yeah. So it's a bite. They're like a swarm, okay? Mm -hmm. They've over half their HP. It's plus six to hit. And plus it's 2d6 six. piercing damage. Oh if they're below half their health, it's 1d6. Then in addition to that, the target must make a DC 10 constitution saving throw. Or take 46 poison damage. 4d6. On a failed save. And these guys have 36 hit points. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying if they don't have, if they're above half health, they can deal 6d6 damage? Yeah. That's, what, 21 damage? Oh my god. That's an average of 20? No, that's not true. Is that true? Wait, 46... So four times three point five. No, sixty six, right? Because they deal two d six piercing. 40. Oh, sixty six, sixty six. Sorry, yeah, yeah, sixty six. Because right, six times three, eighteen plus three, twenty one. Yeah. What's the average for eighty six? No, that's. I think we're doing the math correctly, right? I th wait, how much is fireball? How much damage is fireball? 3.5 times 8. 28. 3.5 times 8 is 28. Uh, fireball does an average of 28 damage? I thought it was an average of... Anyway, hey. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Math. The point is, I'm pretty sure... I, th I thought that a fireball does an average of 21 damage, that's why I'm getting confused. Anywho, hey, this snake, I think if we're doing our math correctly, if you fail your save, and they hit, which Wait, they will, because it's plus fireball 6. Fireball is 66, isn't it? Or is it 86? I'm dumb. Uh, fireball is 86. It is 86. Um, it is 86, yeah. Is 21 damage, which will kill, outright kill, max health, like, wizard, rogue, everything. No, actually, maybe not a rogue. Ah! Maybe. That's... <sighs> Guys, it sucks. I'm sure you can find a homebrew out there where someone distilled, made a new challenge rating system, and created a challenge rating <coughs> for every single monster um, to help you out. Oh, yeah, and by the way, like, the party's supposed to be, like, surprised if they didn't have a passive perception over this score. <laughs> to make Which I just totally ignored. To make matters worse. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, so and I, by the I, way, I'm, you don't get to have a turn. I'm so. sure you can find a homebrew of someone having a balanced system like this. And if you do find one, please share it on the Discord for everybody else. Um, 
Okay, that was challenge rating and encounter building. Uh, really? Oof. Oh god, that one's that one. That one. All right, all right. That one's really painful. What else? Yeah. What else we got. That was painful. All right, economy and treasure. All right, fifth edition <laughs> is decently balanced. All right, decently balanced. There are some balance yes. issues here and there. Yes. But overall, because of its simplicity, it's pretty decently balanced. Yeah. One of the few things that can really break it because of how D and D works with like bounded accuracy. And, you know, working on, like, uh, your modifiers and things like that, like a plus one thing, plus one bonus to attack, is really powerful. One of the few things that can really break the game is by giving your party access or the ability to buy or gain access to magic items. Magic items can break this game. Yep. And the amount of gold the characters get per like official encounters and stuff like dungeons can be insane dude money is just so off the for the economy of the forgotten realms is the most <laughs> broken weirdest thing ever it's so wild i recently um it's so like over the past year once i've like realized like what's going on with the economy and stuff all the D&D games I've tried to run, I've tried to have really low economy kind of games. Where they're still counting their coppers and everything. I think that that's fun. That's realistic. You actually have to think about your money and stuff. Because, um, like, you know, when you like when you go to when the party travels to the new city and have to stay at the inn, it might cost them, like, a silver each or whatever. And, like, I want that to, like, not hurt a ton, but, you know, like, actually matter, right? And anytime they want to, you know, it should be hard to buy that, that plate armor, you know? Um... That should be a thing you're building towards, saving up for. Um, I, I, I like having money in my games and, and having that to be an extra component that your players need to keep in mind and stuff. Um, personally, I think that's fun. Um, but if you run, like, any of the premium adventures, like, <laughs> when they find that treasure at the end of that adventure or whatever, <laughs> it's like a gazillion dollars. <laughs> I mean... Here's yeah, like, a low magic campaign. Yeah. You're supposed to, like, have on average, like, fifth level, like, hundreds and hundreds, or if not thousands, of gold. And, okay. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. You don't do anything with that, by the way. What are you spending your gold on? Okay, you bet you buy the best armor and equipment and weapons that you possibly can from the player's handbook. Sure. But, like, th- like we're talking thousands and thousands of gold that these people are getting and also mm-hmm. somehow carrying around. <laughs> also, by the way. Um, <laughs> and they're, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to get to encumbrance. Yeah. We're going to get to encumbrance, too. Don't you worry. We're hitting, yeah, 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 we're yeah. ranting about everything today. But also, you know, <laughs> your players in, in their character sheet, it's like in their GP, it's like 7,000. Like, gold weighs... <laughs> by the way <laughs> a lot by the way yeah like gold weighs quite like it a lot. has weight um and um yeah i it's just because like what in our in our campaign right our our, our big D campaign you guys had so much money yeah we had a lot of money i mean 
Like, and tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. Butch, okay, get this. The typical core treasure acquired by 20th level. I think this is official. Yeah, part of the DMG. By 20th level, typical hoard, uh, 818,000. <laughs> 818,000 gold. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I don't know how that makes sense if you aren't trying to become a, like an oil baron <laughs> in your D&D yeah. campaign. No, like... The only thing you use your money for is, like, literally, like, building a keep or, like, starting a city. Like, genuinely. Because you're just going to have so much money. Here's... Also, by the way, keep in mind, in that campaign, I, like, never re reward money. Okay? I barely ever reward money to my players for adventures. I think it's just because I forget to. <laughs> um, but, like... I mean, we're finding in our Star Wars campaign that we're running right now, you guys are actually literally running out of money. Um... Yeah, it's the most surprising thing to me. I've never even considered that you can run out of money in a role-playing game, and I love that that that's happening. Um, but also, that's because. By the way, this is per character. That was per character. By the way. Wait, that was per character. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so like, I barely rewarded them. Like, I I, I didn't reward like any money in my adventures. However, I did run some pre-made adventures in that campaign. I ran some stuff from the uh, Yawning Portal, Tales of the Yawning Portal, and stuff like that. So, basically, all the money you guys were rewarded, right, in that D&D campaign was just from the pre-made modules. Right? I'm pretty yeah. sure. I don't think I, like, ever rewarded you guys money. And they still had tens of thousands of dollars because they get so much money from that. It's just... Yeah... It's... Dungeons are the most... I mean, there's so much money in dungeons, you guys. <laughs> so much money in dungeons. Um, and also just... Like, okay. If the adventurer is to kill a dragon in his dragon horde, like, that's a cool adventure. You get to the end, you kill the dragon, now you have a horde of treasure. That's, like, awesome. Mm. That's a cool reward. But by the way... Now make them deal with the problem of transporting that money. Don't let them just, like, <laughs> take all that money. <laughs> it's like, okay, so if you count up all the coins and the gems and the goblets and all that kind of stuff, the whole hoard totals out to about 818,000 GP. Mm -hmm. And now you have that. Like, what? No, that's not how it works. <laughs> you have to transport that money. Um, anyway. Well, when you have that much, I guess you just have, like, ten bags of holding. On you at any time. Oh, right. But, I mean, even the bags of holding can't hold <laughs> anything. And, you know, they can't... They have a limit. Yeah. <sighs> um, That's why you need, like, a bajillion of them. Oh, yeah. But also, like, magic items. First of all, magic items don't have a cost, which is irritating. Um, so, if you want to, like, have a little village where someone maybe sells some healing potions or whatever, um, or, like, a magic item, you have to come up with what you think that will cost because... There's not really any costs broke down in the DMG for magic items, by the way. Um, but anyway, can you rant about magic items real quick? Because you started with that, and we kind of got off track. But Alright, yes. Got off track of the money. The magic items. Okay. So, D&D works on like a bounded accuracy system. Which, to make things simple, small little bonuses to hit, small little things to 
like your DC uh, for your spells and such make a very big difference. A lot bigger than it seems. Like a plus one weapon is a lot powerful, a lot more powerful than you think it is. Yeah. Now, keep in mind as we're talking later, like I was talking earlier about like, oh, you have so much money playing typical campaign or high fantasy, which is very common. You have access to a lot of magic items when you go to a city, which you can buy with your enormous amounts of money. <laughs> and these magic items can be insanely powerful. Like, looking entirely past, like, different, like, abilities and things that it can give you. Just being able to, like, buy a plus three weapon. Oh my gosh. When you're, like, you know, whatever level you are, like, you have so much money, and you can just, like, buy these crazy powerful weapons. <coughs> they can they can break games. Like, okay, in that long campaign that we had, we had some really powerful weapons that we had for the later levels. Yep. You didn't now, have to... if we had the money that you were supposed to have, yeah. according to the DMG, we could have had that way earlier. Yeah. And that would have and, made us even more And powerful. also, by the way, those weapons were, were very powerful. Um, they didn't buy them. Like, they had to earn them on an adventure. Like, they had to go and work for it, and that was the reward to get those weapons, by the way. Also, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't just let them, like, buy these weapons either. Um, because they could. <laughs> uh... <laughs> But, like, you know, they also had to, like, earn it and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's just right, right, right. wild. So, like, legendary magic items cost around, like, like 50,000 plus GP. So, if you had, like, 800,000. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You just have a horde of legendary items. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god! You could just destroy an economy. <laughs> no, seriously. We should, we should run a campaign like that. Where we just, like, start off, like, really high level, with a ton of money, and we just see how much damage you can do to the world. I think... I think if we want to play realistic, like, a realistic D&D or whatever, we, like, start the campaign and just the economy is broken because the adventures <laughs> have are the one percent you know what i mean and <laughs> that's really funny um we, sh we should try that yeah actually that's actually kind of cool and then like you have to like take down the high adventures or whatever um and, mm -hmm. d and like put the money back into the economy and give back to the people the bourgeoisie um anyway hey let's move on um by the way that was this topaz was the one who asked about that and how to balance that that's why how we got the idea for this episode Sorry, Topaz Herald, we don't have an answer for you. <laughs> Just make it low. Yeah. Uh, make it low. Uh, always go for uh, low, because also, then you can make stories out of them running out of money, make it a new, like, mission for them or whatever. When they have so much money, it just yeah. becomes in the background, doesn't even matter. Whatever. It becomes a non-issue. Um, uh, and that's fine. If nobody cares about m that, then keep it. You know, whatever. Then don't make money a big thing. Also, also, when you have, like, limited access to, like, potions and other, like, magic items and such, then the players have to, like, care a little bit more about when they use these things, you know? They have, like, one potion of fire giant strength. Yeah. Amongst the whole party. Then they're gonna be, like, waiting for an extremely impactful moment to use that potion. Or... But if they have ten... Yeah. There's gonna be popping one at the beginning of, of every count. Or, like, me and Skyrim... Just never use them because I'm so scared I don't want to waste any of my potions. Um, exactly. Okay. 
Actually, let's let's move encumbrance up because uh, this still kind of fits into what we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about encumbrance right now. So uh, here's the thing: I don't need encumbrance to be very realistic. Okay, I don't. I understand that it's a game and stuff. So I need to be like, there's no way you can carry like three swords. Like that's fine. Um, I, I was playing Witcher three the other day. You can carry so much in Witcher three. <laughs> I I had like. Three swords, five hammers, like, two whole other outfits, like, <laughs> our suits of armor, um, plus all my potions and stuff, and, like, I was fine. I was sprinting around, um, you know, none of that stuff even appeared, like, on my back, like, you couldn't see all that stuff. Same with Skyrim, right? Like, that stuff just disappears, it's in some kind of pocket dimension. Um, that's fine. Look, I, I don't need you to realistically, like, I understand, it's a game, you don't need to realistically be like, you actually can't carry that much. <laughs> um... But I mean, my problem honestly isn't with that. It's just with pounds. Are you kidding me? Pounds. If you are a video game and you can automate encumbrance, by all means, do pounds and decimals. That's fine. But if you're a tabletop role-playing game and your players have to track... The weight of what they're holding, and their encumbrance, and you made it into pounds. <laughs> Nobody's gonna track that. <laughs> Nobody wants to track it, dude. Have we ever tracked encumbrance in D and D? Yeah, we tried to once, and we forgot about the second the session after. Yeah, because pounds is stupid. We and just didn't care enough. It wasn't worth doing all the yeah bookwork. Yeah, look, encumbrance is good for making it realistic and stuff, and, and I, I think you should use encumbrance. I, I think that it matters, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, your players can't, shouldn't be able to carry literally everything. But Pathfinder and Edge of the Empire, the Star Wars system, which are both, I think everyone would agree, more complex, more complicated systems than 5e, right? 5e is made for, you know, being simple. Have mm -hmm. very simple encumbrance rules. That makes yes, sense and are good. have to track every single ounce that they're carrying. Fifth, dude, pounds? Pounds. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just hate encumbrance in general. I hate it. Hey, I just hate having to yeah. track it and having it's to care just, about it. I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't hate encumbrance in general. I, I think uh, if, the, if the system is good, implement it into your games. Mm, sure, sure. Um, but... Uh, okay, I know there's homebrew out there. I've seen a couple of fixing 5th edition uh, yeah. encumbrance. Use those if you're interested. If you don't really care about using it for your game, that's totally fine. That's up to you. Um, but making it pounds w is really irritating because you want that streamlined, si you know, simplistic design that 5th edition is bragging about, and this ain't it, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Gabe? Okay, another little thing I want to tag yes. on here. Go ahead. About encumbrance and pounds. So if you do do this in your like first level, you're trying to track how much you have. They don't list the weight of the different packs. You know, each class like gets yeah. access to like oh, yeah. like, either like an adventure, yeah. like, explore, uh, scholars, whatever. It doesn't state that. Yeah, you have you go to, to look up the pack. Yep, you have to figure out yep. how much each individual item weighs. Yep, and then track that to get the pack. Yeah, Ugh. so irritating, dude. That is... Ugh, okay, sorry. Ugh, okay, moving on. Gabe? Alright. Can you go off about ability balance, please? <laughs> yes. Queen, go ability off. Ability scores. 
abilities in the new fifth edition. Their importance and strength. Uh, I know strength. Very uh, <laughs> drastically, drastically. All right. This annoys me so much because it just makes so many things. Just like you can take it, but just you know, in the bottom of your heart, you just aren't going to be as good as the rest of the party. Yeah. You know. You okay? There's like no room to make like a really like viable character. That also, like, ooh, I also want to, like, specialize in this. I'm going to increase my intelligence a bit. If you increase your intelligence a bit and you don't need your intelligence for your class, and instead, like, you're not, like, increasing your dexterity, you're just gimping yourself. Which, sure, if you don't care about that, go ahead with it. But dexterity and wisdom are so much better than everything yeah. else. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, look, I mean, the thing about, like, all the ability scores should be balanced. Obviously, depending on your class, certain ones should be more important. That's fine. Yeah. That makes sense. But in general, all of them should be balanced. There should be... And also, there should be balance within the classes, right? Like, wisdom should be featured. The same... Like, should be the highest ability score. The same amount as intelligence should be. And strength. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. two classes, one high strength. Two classes, one high wisdom. Or whatever. Um, and everything is, like, all balanced, right? But that's just so not true. Dexterity is so good just to ha just have high dexterity. Stat. And and if your class wants high dexterity, so you're just going to put your dexterity high anyway because it works for your class, then you're going to get a ton of other extra benefits because everybody loves dexterity. Like, dexterity is used for initiative. Dex saving throws are used all the time. Stealth is used all the time. Like, <sighs> armor class. Armor class. Dude, dex is used for everything. And you know what's not? Intelligence. Intelligence is such a dumb stat. Charisma also. You could, is such like a sad boy. You could sitting over in the, there yeah. in the corner. You could argue also charisma is also a dumb stat. I know charisma has been a dumb stat in a lot of recent editions. Um, I feel like charisma is not. I, I feel like we we do we do a lot of role playing though, so you you seem to make a lot of charisma checks during um, uh, the session or whatever. But I mean, oh oh, and also here's why intelligence is also worse. One class likes intelligence. One class. And then, like, two subclasses. And then two subclasses. You might take, right? <laughs> you mm -hmm. might take. But, dex? Who wants high dex? Rogues. Everyone. Rangers. Bards. Fighters. Uh, dude. What? What? So when you're a wizard, and you make your intelligence highest, because, so you can be good in your class... You're not also getting a high initiative, a higher armor class, a good good stealth. But when you're a rogue a and you make your... A good dex save. A good... Yeah, a good dex... Oh my gosh. But when you're a rogue and you make your dex high because it's good for your class, that's what you use the most, that's fine. You're also just, by the way, getting a higher armor class, good stealth, de good dex saves, good initiative. <laughs> I'm not pissed. I'm just kidding. Um, also, yeah, and then for wisdom, things are like wisdom saving throws are not as common as dexterity saving throws, but they're also a lot more impactful to to fail on a wisdom saving throw yeah. than typically is for a dex saving throw. Yeah. And wisdom is used and for perception. skills. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> perception is used all the time, obviously. Insight 
if you're the kind of team who anytime an NPC says something, everyone on the table goes, Insight! And I'll see if they're lying. <laughs> um, which, by the way, not a fan of. <laughs> um, I don't, I believe the, uh, the, the phrase is not, I want to insight check them. It's, I want to, are they lying? And then the DM says, make an insight check. <laughs> it doesn't go. Also, insight is not just, is not a, a, a what's it called? A lie detector? Detect lies. <laughs> yeah. It's not a, <laughs> by the way. Um. I mean, we barely do that in our games, right? I feel like we we barely insight. Yeah. Um, anywho. We don't do it much because... Because <laughs> it's not a lie detector. <laughs> um, and, but insight... Also, by the way, guys, insight can be used for a lot of other things. Like, what are... What are, what are can I discern maybe their motives? Or what are they fe- what are they feeling about this situation or whatever? Like, to, to take cues off of them for what you'd say next in your role-playing scene. Anyway. Yeah. Dex is really good. Strength is also pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, like, depends on your game. Like, strength is yeah. a lot weaker than dex and wisdom. Yeah. Okay, you know what? You know what? Depends what's, on, like... You know what's a really great example? Constitution. What? Constitution mm. is just so nice. First of all, it's not valued highly in any class in the sense, like, it's not going to be your highest because you don't use it for casting spells or attacking. And every class wants it. You want You want a solid con. Because it's your health. And it's perfectly balanced. You know what? It's perfectly balanced the way it, that way it is. Also, con saves, about as common as whiz, whiz saves. Pretty good. Pretty useful. Just just good. Yeah, like, yeah. Constitution is just so nice and solid. And dex And is, I know that people are saying, yeah, like, but, oh, but you're just saying, like, the dex, like, everyone wants dex. So why are you saying everyone wants con is a good thing? It's not bad that everyone wants, like, an ability score, like, I think it's good that, like, every character should, like, want to have a decent score and everything. Like, for, like, to make their class better and make their character better. Yeah. I think we should discourage more just specializing in one thing just to become ultra-powerful. Yeah. Every stat should benefit every class in some little way. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, also, Khan, hey, if you're a barbarian or fighter, you're going to be in the front lines. You're going to be taking lots of hits. You probably want a high con so that you can last longer in battle. Hey, are you a spellcaster? You're going to want to be concentrating on those spells, so take a high con, because constitution saving throws are going to help you concentrate on your spells. Wow, look at that. That was easy and fun. Mm-hmm. And makes, makes con. Ap- it's applicable to every single class, every single character. Yeah. Intelligence? Okay, a wizard wants it. Um, an eldritch knight wants it. <laughs> a, uh, what's it called, like, arcane, arcane trickster. trickster yeah. wants it. And that's about it. Yeah. Barbarians could care less. Fighters could care less. Yeah. Bards could care less. And anyone. Literally anyone. Everyone could care less. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, intelligence skills, you know, <laughs> maybe you use investigation kind of often. Um, and, and medicine at early levels. Um, okay, but the thing is, like, a lot of those things, like, it just varies from campaign to campaign. Perception yeah. is, like, a universal thing. Yeah. 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 It's a very universal thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's just, yeah. So what we have been doing is, in character creation, you get extra proficiencies, uh, like tool skill proficiencies or whatever, equal to your intelligence modifier, because you're smarter, so you would have learned more things. That's, that gives it just a little more bump, right? Some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Make intelligence a little more valuable. It's what they do in Pathfinder. Um, it's just, yeah... Anyway, 
Ability balance is really irritating. It's just... What's irritating about it is that... When you're a ranger... You... You're the class just wants high dex and wisdom. Like, it's just... It's just a part of the class. So you just do that because it's gonna be best for your... For being a ranger. But also, they're just the best abilities. Mm-hmm. So you're also just... You're just more powerful than the wizard. Because intelligence and con are just not as good as the other two. And it's just, I don't know, man. I Which ties, okay, we're skipping around or whatever. I want to tag this in here. Which ties into, like, power curves. Like, wizards are really weak at low levels. Then they become insane at higher levels because of really powerful s- spells and such. Yeah. Making them really valuable. But, like, it can just be, like, a party can be really imbalanced. If they're at the same level. Yeah, dude. Like, Def- in between the party, yeah. it can become so imbalanced. Yeah, man. Definitely. A, a- which isn't good. Like, sure, like, you don't have to, like, engage in, in like, party fighting, which I would, like, discourage. Like, it's a, yeah, I can see, like, a reason why you would want to do it. Could be fun in certain times. But, in general, you're not going to be infighting. So, you're thinking, like, oh, it might not be that big of a, that big of a problem if there's, like, not... Like a l- same level of balance between every single character, but mm-hmm. if one person knows, like, oh, my character is like really weak compared to the rest of them, yeah, that just like doesn't feel good, you know? Yeah, for sure. No, it it doesn't feel good <laughs> when you're. I mean, once again, player types. Some people don't really care. Some people care a lot. Um, even as someone like me and and Gabe, we we both love role playing. We both love the story aspects. Um, but we also also love like creating really good like characters, and we both love. Diving deep into how can we combine this subclass with this ability score, you know, array to create like a really cool build, right? That's fun for us. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to both of us. And uh, so we like to feel powerful because we've spent time on researching and, and trying to figure out, a, you know, a, a, a good build for our characters or whatever. But like, and it just feels crappy at first level when the wizard who has two spell slots has to burn one to deal not even as much damage that the Barbarian gets on every single attack for no extra resources. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, the power curve could be fixed. Uh, obviously, at the higher levels, you want the wizard to feel like a god with their meteor swarms and stuff, right? Um, yeah. That's amazing. But, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> hey, you want to talk about Varian Human real quick? You, you put that in here? Yeah. I tag this in real quick. Just because... In the community, like, when you're, like, you know, thinking about builds and such, unless you're going, like, let me put this into better words. Variant human is really good. <laughs> Alright? Plus one to two ability scores. Nice. You know? Good. You're a good way there to, like, advancing your ability scores. You can advance them more at later levels, you know, 4, 8, 12, 16, 19. And... You get a free feat. This little thing, they're like, oh, cool, free feat. It's not like feats are powerful, <laughs> except there are some very powerful feats, which makes very inhuman extremely powerful, especially if you're looking for like an optimal build or something, yeah. or a really interesting build where, that requires a feat. Just take a very inhuman, you know? You get that free for free at first level. You don't have to worry about grabbing it later on. Yeah. Uh, and I and don't like if- that, because it just yeah. leads to... A ton of humans. Um, if also if you're a fighter and you get a gazillion ability score increases, you're just taking a gazillion feats as well. 
and getting an extra <laughs> one. Okay, here's the thing. The thing about Variant Human that is actually pretty balanced is that it gets two plus ones, not a plus two and a plus one, like most other races. And, and so what that means is that they will be stunted on one of their top ability scores. Okay, so here's what I mean. Say you uh, are, are going to be a ranger. You want high dex and wisdom. Uh, and you so and because you care about being a powerful character, you're that kind of player. You want to take a race that gives you bonuses to dex and wisdom. So let's just take you... Say you take a wood elf, because, of course, you're playing a ranger. Wood elf rangers are the most common things in the world. Um, a wood elf a ranger... A wood elf gives you plus two to dex and plus one to wisdom, okay? Uh, and... So, let's just say we're you take standard array. Um, also, by the way, use standard array in your games. Rolling leads to mm -hmm. lots of imbalance. And having 18s or 20s at first level, which <sighs> is stupid. We use standard array. <laughs> we love standard array. Um, point by two. Point by is fine. It will be just as balanced as standard array. But it's a little more customizable. Okay. So, you, uh, you have a 15 and a 14. You put... You're 14 in Dexterity, in my example, and you're 15 in Wisdom. Therefore, mm -hmm. both those will be bumped up to 16. So you have two you have two plus threes in your two highest scores. Great. If you take a Variant Human, one of those will be a plus three and one of them will be a plus two. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, because you'll have a 16 and a 15. That's a little... So you're a little stunted. Your secondary ability score um, will not have that extra plus one. Um, so in that way, it is balanced. Be but you also just get a feat. <laughs> And feats are really good. I which, by the way, they're feats that give. Oh yeah. Size. Oh yeah, yeah, they're yeah, happy. yeah. Like, I, sure, I love the idea of happy to give you like a little bit of a bonus. Yeah. But it also makes. Yeah. By the way. Takes away from that yeah. little balance. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, here's the thing. I love taking a feat at first level. It's really yeah. fun. It really helps you customize your character. Um, I I, I love it. Gabe, don't you love it? I I, I think it's fun. I, I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's just, just having that limited to one single. Yeah. One and single also, race. I. Also, you said that you were a little irritated with having a party full of humans. I don't care at all. Human is one of my favorite races, so, um, I, having a party full of humans is fine. I mean, honestly, I feel like nobody plays human honestly, but I think it's just because new, newer players don't understand the power of their human. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And also just because people want to be, like, tieflings, because those are awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I wish, like, I love feats. Like, I'm going to take Varian Human in, like, every character I build. Um, <laughs> because I really like taking a feat at first level. It's really fun for me. I don't want to wait till fourth to take my first feat. But Gabe is right that it's, it's pretty powerful. Um, so just something to think about. Um, something uh, to consider. Food for thought. Something <laughs> to think about. Oh, okay. Also, sorry for the noise in my background. Um, hey, there are... <laughs> this is really weird and niche, but it's something that irritates me. <laughs> there are so many races that give bonuses to strength and con. Let me move my mic back a little bit so that maybe you don't hear them as much. <clears throat> there are so many races... <laughs> They give bonuses to strength and con. Okay, in base player's handbook, it's just like half orc, right? That's basically it, I think. And dwarf. Uh, yeah, dwarf. And dwarf. Okay, yeah, that's right. fine. That's okay. fine. Then come all the other races that they added in Volo's Guide and uh, other things. Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Dude, 
too many. Too many races. First of all, like all the monstrous races in Volo's Guide, Orc, <laughs> Bugbear, uh, you know, Hobgoblin, all that kind of stuff. Um, plus Goliaths. Plus, like, Tritons, I think. Plus, um, what is that other one in, in Explorer's Guide? Durgar. Oh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount? Um. Other things. I think, like, Warforged 2 <laughs> or something. Dude. Oh, Warforged. Don't even get me started. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to talk about that here. That's that's <laughs> that's another episode. It's just called Warforged Rant. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, there's so many Strength and Con races. I think, I, I love the idea that races give different bonuses to different ability scores. Can we sp spread out the love, dude? <laughs> I think the Player's Handbook has a pretty good spread. There's also a lot of, like, Dex Wiz and stuff like that. Um, and, like, the only intelligence one is, like, a gnome. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, let's, let's, when we're adding these new races... When we're adding the new races, like, let's let's spread the love a little bit. Let's create some new combinations. Charisma and intelligent. Oh, that's what a tiefling gets. Um, you know, wisdom and and con, or whatever. Like, let's do a ton of new stuff. Um, some of the new races also have, like, three plus ones. That's really interesting. Let's do cooler stuff like that. But instead, they're just, like, strength and con. Strength and con. Strength and con. Oh, like, like one of the one of the dragonborn sub-races in the Explorer's Guide is strength and con, too. So much! <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Dragonborn, Dragonborn are criminally weak. Yeah, Dragonborn suck. <laughs> okay. And speaking... Do you know one of the reasons Dragonborn suck is our next topic? <laughs> Resistances and vulnerabilities. Why do we hate those? Uh, we actually... We don't... We, we, we don't, don't hate them. We don't hate them, actually. We love them. <laughs> That's the we problem. We love them. We want more of them. <laughs> we want more. Uh, you guys. Um, yeah. It, uh, so, Shao came up with this theory a while ago, that, and I agree with it. Like, every character, every like, creature, within reason, like in the, in the monster's manual and everything else, should have, like, one sort of resistance and vulnerability. Yeah, within at least reason. one. At least one of each. Yeah. This is good for... Numerous reasons. Resistance, oh, grants a little bit of flavor. There are a lot of resistances. Cool. That fits. Vulnerabilities. Adds counterplay. Yep. Makes your your players work outside of the box instead of just hitting it over and over again. Yep. yep. Oh, perhaps yep. they discover also, it has some sort of vulnerability and they work like to makes, take advantage yep. of that. Also, make spellcasters better because they have access to different damaging spells. Whereas the weapon martial fighters only have access to, like, one of, like, bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing. And even then, you know, maybe they have to switch to a different weapon that may be weaker than what they usually use, but because of the damage type. You know, any... Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, but, yeah. It just adds more variety to combat. There's and like, this yes. is a great way for you to introduce, like, things in the world that the players can use besides just their attacks and oh variety gosh, yes. to combat. Yes. You know? Yes. Do, like, Add things to the world like, oh, look, we take advantage of this thing that we found here. Like, oh, this... Whatever it is to take advantage yep. of this vulnerability. Yeah. This weakness. Yeah. By... Here's the thing. By adding way more resistances and vulnerabilities into your game, um, it makes damage type matter. 
and you want damage type to, it, it makes combat just like not and also not just combat i'll get to it in a second just so much more interesting and tactical and you have to think about it and the way that you play you have to adapt in the middle of the battle you have to evolve to what's going on and like if you take the the, the, the concept of like mythic monsters that we talk about in mm. uh, our theros review part two which is basically like after a monster dies it like kind of regains all its hit points or whatever but then like it changes it like evolves into a different kind of creature or it gets a new power maybe also it gains new resistances or vulnerabilities and now you have to adapt mid-battle to the new changes to the creature guys it makes damage type matter and it makes spell cast you want to create you want to choose an, an array of different damaging spells that have different damaging types not just the most powerful ones because then it will matter um Players will, your barbarian will, yeah, take the maul that deals bludgeoning, but they're also going to have maybe, uh, uh, you know, some javelins for piercing or whatever, because they want to be able to mix it up. And then in your battlefield, you have braziers. They can push over uh, that will deal fire damage um, because the creature is vulnerable to fire. You have ice crystals around the thing. You have whatever. Also, in uh, the adventure, in the build-up to the boss battle, you, you witcher this thing up, and they're following the tracks of this beast that they're hunting, and they learn about where its habitat is, or its previous, you know, where its previous attacks, where it attacked other people, like in Witcher, as you're, like, following the trail of the beast. And you learn, you can learn about their vulnerabilities and weaknesses, and then prepare, so that when you get to the boss battle, the players feel satisfied because they prepared based on the stuff that they found out in the beginning of the adventure, to help better, like, they found the monster's weaknesses, literally. It's just... Yeah. It just makes it so much cooler. Anyway, I was really that was really um, intense. Yeah. While we're on this topic, one second and I'll find. Aha! Here, here, here. One second. While we're on the topic of resistances, there are a lot of resistances in yeah, like the monster manual, but not enough variety in them. Yeah. The number of resistances to fire and poison <laughs> are yeah. crazy. Okay. There's like 477 creatures that have like resistance to poison. Really? Oh my gosh. 127 undead, 127 teens, 100 constructs, and 45 elementals. And by the way, like. Two have resistance to like force damage or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, but but okay. Yeah, and also like the and then like when you get to higher levels, eventually everyone has resistance. To, every monster has resistances to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical weapons. Blah blah blah. blah. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. It means that you have to reach the higher next echelon where everyone has magical weapons. I don't care. But by also giving them vulnerabilities once again, if you find their vulnerability. It's really fun. You can exploit it. That's cool. But also vulnerabilities. I, I understand the restraint as well because dealing double damage is really powerful. Um, maybe you can figure out a different way to deal with vulnerabilities so it's not as insanely strong. Um, because, you know, you deal double damage if you deal the damage type to their vulnerabilities. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah. It's just there's not variety. And also just, yeah, just be... Because there's also just not a lot of vulnerabilities, it makes resistances also not matter, matter too much. Um, I love the skeletons. I love skeletons because <laughs> they are vulnerable to bludgeoning damage. 
Okay? That is... makes so much sense. They're bones. And so when you hit them with a bludgeoning weapon, you're gonna, like, break their bones apart and make send them flying and stuff. But piercing and slashing a skeleton won't do a lot. It makes logical sense. I'm so glad that they're vulnerable to bludgeoning damage. It means that the, the martial characters in your party or whatever may switch to their bludgeoning weapons in that fight. That's interesting. That's cool. If the skeletons are also the minions in this battle of a bigger demon boss... Then they have to switch to another weapon to fight him or whatever. Like, it just makes it so much more tactical. I love skeletons mm -hmm, because they're mm -hmm. vulnerable to bludgeoning damage. I love the elementals. Water elemental, vulnerable to lightning damage. Obviously. Earth elemental, vulnerable to lightning... I mean, thunder damage. That's so cool. They're, they're vulnerable to, you know, the sonic booms. That makes sense. It's just... I love, I love that. <laughs> That's so cool. It just means it's, like, tactical. And spellcasters now will switch to a different damaging... Spell to deal more damage. I that's, I love it. It's just it makes it more interesting. Okay, I think you guys right. get the point. Right. Yeah. So I was looking up some numbers. So just in the monsters manual. Yeah. Just the monsters manual. None of the other monsters. A hundred are either resistant or immune to poison. Ninety-five are immune. Five are resistant. Yeah. Wow. Compare that to like necrotic, where eleven are resistant and eleven are immune. Mm. What? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Gabe. <laughs> it's that part of the uh. episode. It's that part of the episode where we talk about... Drumroll, please. The Paladin. There we go. Uh, the Nothing teaches you what a Paladin can do than playing with one in your party for two years. <laughs> or, in my case, DMing for two. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy is right. Paladins are just... <laughs> crazy. Alright, like... I don't know how to say this other than they just get... They get what they need. And they're really good at it. I just and they get way too much. <laughs> I want to cry when I look back on all the times they divine smite and critted and just no, the other way other way around. Oh, sorry, sorry. They critted and then they chose to divine smite because they can. And then <laughs> I knocked their friend unconscious, but no, their aura keeps them alive. <laughs> <laughs> and then my ultimate lich baddie tries to c cast a spell on all of them and they should all fail but nope they all have advantage because the aura of magical protection and then I tried or to hit my get paladin plus five. I tried to hit the paladin but no he's proficient in everything so he has an armor class of 25 and also access to <laughs> shield of faith spell by the way I No, but in all seriousness, guys, um, paladins are machines. They're machines. They're so strong. I, I mean, both the paladins in our party multiclassed. One of them went into fighter. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and one of them went into Noble, which is like a, a homebrewed kind of class that, that we use. Um, and so they weren't even full level. If they were, if they'd both taken older levels in Paladin, it would have been worse. Oh my goodness. And they get access to the avatars. And the... Uh, it's... Uh... They're just so good at everything. <laughs> They're just, they don't die. They deal so much damage. And also, it doesn't come down to one thing. You need to fully rework that class. I mean, yes. <laughs> is Divine Smite typically the source of all your problems? Yes. But no, but it's not also Divine Smite. It's just auras and... Also the auras. The fact that they have Lay on Hands and... Also Lay on Hands, oh my. It's that they're half-casters. <sighs> also, another problem with the Paladin is that they have, like, redundant things. Where, like... And things they don't use, like, ever. You know? Like, Divine Sense. <laughs> What's Divine Sense? <laughs> I don't know. No one's ever used Never it. Never used it before. Um, or, you know all those really cool smites that they get access to? Yeah. That people don't use because it takes bonus action and concentration when they could just deal more damage <laughs> by Divine Smiting. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude. You get Divine Smite at second level. And listen to me. That's not true. Is that true? Yeah, second level. Or is it third? It's second. I'm, lo I'm looking at the class right now. Wait, then do they gain so access to spells level. at second level? Yeah, they do. What? They gain access to spells at second level, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, how many spell slots? Two or one? Two. Okay. So at second level, on two of your attacks, by the way, after you hit, you can just choose, not a bonus action, that you don't lose it if you miss the attack. But just by hitting the attack, you can then choose, and if it's a crit, good for you, you can choose. It doesn't matter, there's no risk involved. You can expend one of your two spell slots at second level to deal an extra 2d8 damage. That's an average of 9 damage. And you can do that mm. with 2 attacks. Also, it's one of the rarer types of damage. Radiant. Which, oh, yeah. in the Monsters Manual, only 4 creatures have resistance to. And how much how much have a vulnerability to it? 2. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but there's very few vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um. Oh, man. <laughs> Divine Science really strong. Okay, they're just really strong. And, and here's what's irritating. I don't want to hate paladins. <laughs> I really like paladins. I like the concept of the oath <laughs> and the fact that you can really like just 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 by building a paladin. Uh, there's just already so much flavor and character stuff there that you can use to create great stories, great character development, all that kind of stuff. I really I really care about that stuff. I love that. Um, and I just think the oaths and morality and all that kind of stuff just make paladins really enticing and just make them really great characters. Um, I like them. They're 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 cool, like like they're they're, they're like you want you want to play a paladin because paladins are cool and they're like holy warrior dudes, but the fact that they're so broken like, ah, uh, oh and don't get me started if you choose very human and then you choose a feat. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, or like with the ancients, 
Let's just not talk about with the ancients at no, all. No, definitely in my campaign where the main villains were all magic users. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. So like we um, had a paladin by us at all times. So we had oh aura on us at all times, which gives like plus five to every single save, and also. Yep, we have a a reoccurring joke. We also changed this... that. We like house yeah. ruled out like yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Also, hey guys. Also, they get spiritual weapon. Oh yeah, spiritual weapon's a great spell. Um, and I'm not being facetious. It is a great spell. <laughs> it's really good. It's too good. It's too great. Um, we we literally have a recurring joke that makes us laugh, and then we all weep, and when we actually think about the ramifications of saying. What if we had a party of paladins? <laughs> like that's oh, a recurring yeah. joke. That me and like, me and Gabe will reference that every so mm-hmm. often, and in, in our playgroup as well. Um, okay, okay. So just just shh, 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 just just think. All paladins, okay. All have high armor class. All martial fighters. They all have divine smite. So everyone's just getting divine smited all the time, everywhere. All of their auras. Guys, they all have auras going on. About two auras. One from their base class, one from their subclass. Going on at the same time. Affecting all the other paladins and themselves. And these all stack, by the way. <laughs> so, if they have a 20 in charisma, each of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, then at 6th at level, or mm-hmm. whenever they do get that. Uh, to 20. They have plus 20 to each saving throw. (laughs) (laughs) Plus 20! (laughs) How do you fail? (laughs) Oh my gosh! Guys, saving throw. That's like... Like, players have to make saving throws a lot. Like, that's an important... Oh my gosh. Oh my god. Oh, oh. And picture this. They all take the protection fighting style. And they all wield shields. <laughs> so, <laughs> also, everyone gets like a plus 1,000 to AC. Um, oh my gosh. And then they all wield pole arms and take the sentinel feet. And, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Guys, paladins are insane. And a party of paladins would be unstoppable. I mean, I mean, not necessarily. Obviously, you're the DM. You can do whatever you want. You just build an encounter that destroys them, and all the enemies are flying or whatever. Um, <laughs> Which, wait a minute. You took you took my segue. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Like, it'd be unstoppable except for one thing. Yep. What is it? Flying. Flight. So next topic, but yeah. Shiloh messed up my. Segue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just. I. It actually didn't. Like. I just said that, and then I was like, oh. <laughs> That's a segue. Go ahead, Gabe. I'm sorry. That's the segue. Take the floor. Flying. Flying is a very controversial thing. Not because people hate flying. Flying's dope. Everyone wants to be able to fly. Yeah, literally. But flying can break encounters. And here's why. You can fly out of range. You can attack... I'm talking about this in a really boring way. But flying can break things. I mean... And it can, like, break the party as well. Yeah, yeah. With we, we ran into this problem in our long campaign, where not all of us could fly all the time. Yeah. 
And then we just eventually had to find ways for each one of our characters to fly. Yeah. Because we, we just come across things where, like, sometimes it would be trivialized for some of us because we could just fly. Yeah. But then it just became impossible for the other characters because they couldn't fly. Yeah. I mean, Gabe, who was playing a sorcerer, and this is not his fault, this is the game's design. And once he got high enough level, he got enough spell slots. Beginning of every combat, what's the first thing he did? Fly. Just fly up, out of reach of everybody, of all the enemies. He's, he's you know, the, the squishiest. You know, he, higher level still has quite a lot of health, but he's the squishiest. He's the sorcerer. Just just fly. And then just pelt everyone with disintegration from above. <laughs> right? I mean, that's like, you, like, we're always flying yeah. all the time. And it's not Gabe's fault at all. I'm not going to blame him. Because why wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't he fly? It's so yeah. good. Uh, yeah. It can trivialize so many things for your character. And, and... Oh, there's a, there's a chasm. I just fly over it. Yeah. No, no, yeah, I'll get to that in Which a second. Which isn't necessarily... It's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Except when it just, like, leads to disparity within the party. Yeah, um... <sighs> make sure... Yeah, uh... Yeah, we got to a point also where everyone in our party flew. And... Yeah. And he he here's, here's also a big problem why flying is bad. Mm, mm. As a DM, building adventures and encounters, you don't think about flight. You, that's just not something that crosses your mind. When you're building, like, how hard it is to overcome this obstacle, whether it's a battle or a puzzle or, like, whatever it is, a trap, you, flight is usually, like, never, you're, like, never thinking of it. Even when you know some of your players can fly. You just won't be thinking about it when you're building encounters and adventures. It just, it's not something that you think of. And then when it comes to that part in the adventure in the session, they're like, we can just fly over it. <laughs> I mean, flight is just, uh, it's a solution to so many problems and obstacles. And as a DM, you just don't think about that a lot. And even if you do remember, you're like, oh, now I have to change up the encounter and obstacle. I have to think of something new and different. I have to add in these, like, weird things that will block people from flying or whatever because it's going to ruin the encounter or the obstacle. Or I have to mm -hmm. redesign this whole part of the adventure because you can just fly. <laughs> uh, yeah. You just don't think of that. And so, you know, a couple times in the last campaign, Gabe's like, okay, I, I just fly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Yeah. Cause oh, this island is being, like, turned over because it's actually a creature, and it's, like, fighting and standing up, and so we're, like, all, like, following, having to grab onto things. No, we aren't. We're just flying. He's like, I'm just gonna fly and pick up this person, and the other party and uh, party member will fly, and then pick up this other party member, and then we're all good. And then one of them will suicide off the cliff. Um, <laughs> we're not gonna talk about that. I was drinking water, and it's... <laughs> uh, he, oh, I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, that's a different story, guys. Um, yeah, flight, uh, so by the way, if for some reason you allow your players to choose our Kokoro as their starting place, <laughs> <laughs> or... Oh, there's one of my favorite, like, what-ifs. It's like how, uh, how level one our Kokoro with, like... A longbow can kill a Taras single-handedly. Yeah, yeah, line. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because flight is that good. Uh, oh my gosh. 
Yeah. And, like, I get it. It's something that might accidentally overlook because, you know, it's something that, like, breaks the rules of gravity that we normally don't have to think of. But, um, it's just... Okay, okay. Here's the thing. You don't want to remove flight from your game entirely. No, 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 but no. Like, Flight's but, like, great. It's yeah. interesting. It's cool. Yeah, but, like, in, in limited mm-hmm. tactical resource-spending instances, so, for example, a potion of flight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fun. You're probably going to save that, use it when they need to. That's a fun, creative way that they're going to figure out with in solving this salute, this you know, solving this problem. And at the at fifth level, yeah, your spellcaster gets access to fly as a third level spell, but they only have one spell slot for the whole day. When are they going to use it? You know, that's that's an important tactical decision. And if they do, they can't use fireball or whatever, right? But I mean. I mean, you know, once you got to like once 10 you get level, up there more, you're yeah. just flying all the time. So it's hard. It is. It's it's hard to figure out and deal with. Um, but and I think I, I think I talked about this. I don't in one of the few past few episodes about how I built this really cool encounter. It was like on an it was an it was inside like an inverted D four pyramid, and the gravity was switched up, and so like you could walk on the different sides mm. of the inside of this triangle pyramid thing. Really cool battlefield, right? Except. This was at a very high level, and I forgot that everyone in the party could fly. So, the point that the gravity was shifting didn't matter, because the whole battle took place in the air, anyway. Um, also, what... nothing I want to tag on here about flying, I don't think we've touched on yet. But how it can make- it can really slow down combat, because of AoE effects. And you have to figure out where exactly you are in 3D uh, space, and if you don't have, yeah. like, special little towers you can place your flying characters on, it can be hard to figure out, oh, am I, like, where exactly am I in the space right now? And you yeah. have to remember that, you have to track that. It can make things difficult just because you have to try and deal with 3D space yeah. while using yep. a 2D battle map. Yeah. And also, as a player, very hard to, um, it's very frustrating when your enemies fly. <laughs> as a DM, not too much of a problem if your players fly because you're the one building the encounters and everything. But as a player, yeah. it's pretty frustrating when your enemies can fly. There's no tactical like movement to block hallways or whatever because they can just fly over you. Um, your area effects things are not really going to work because they can. They're just going to spread out and fly everywhere, and they're not going to be obstructed by trees. Or it's just it, it. It's also just frustrating as a player. Also, by the way, and you don't really want to frustrate your players a lot. Um, you want to frustrate them like in a good way, in the sense that like, how do we overcome this puzzle or whatever. But yeah, that's just not fun. Um, Okay, one thing I just thought of real quick. I don't really think this is a fault of 5th edition totally. Um, but something that I... This is also totally my my bad as a, as a DM. Um, but enemies don't heal. Uh, and enemies should totally heal. <laughs> um, like, the reason I gave my big baddie quadruple Tarask health um, was because <laughs> I didn't really have any ways for him to heal. I mean, I had a couple ways but they didn't really come up often in the battle um and like if you build your encounter with like kind of a boss a couple minions a sniper or whatever you know you kind of like have a couple different roles of your monsters in your battle like have one be like a healer and then like that makes it more tactical into the party of like taking out the healer first or whatever anyway that's a side thing i don't really think that's like a i'm not really pissed about anything or whatever i guess kind of just a tip but 
it, it, I think it could be cool it, it, in your games, uh, in your encounters and stuff, to have people who heal. I'm gonna, I'm trying to fit that into our Star Wars campaign right now, with <laughs> having more healing and stuff, um, because mm. the players are healing all the time. <laughs> so why can't you? Um, Picture like a campaign poster, like your players can heal. Why can't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to rant about? Nothing that we can cover in the time that we have left. Living. Oh, we've been um, recording for a long time. An hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, didn't even realize that. There are things that I do want to rant about that we didn't get to. I want to rant about the Mystic. <laughs> I want to rant about a lot of uh, how they've handled it <laughs> and other Unathracana. I want to talk about how... I want to talk more about how classes are balanced amongst each other. I want to talk about some certain subclasses. I want to talk about weapons. I want to talk about oh, some yeah. spells. Yes, yes. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot. Hey, guys, look out for the part two uh, sometime in the next three months. <laughs> um, we're going to do a probably part two. And, of course, we've been teasing it for the past 30 episodes. It's going to come eventually. The Mystic episode. The 10-hour... Probably most people don't even know about the Mystic. The 10-hour Mystic extravaganza... Um, literally probably maybe three people know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> if you listen to the end of our episodes and stuff, we mention the mystic a lot. We make a lot of jokes about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, don't look it up. Don't use it in your game. Anyway. Um, it'll be real fun when we, when we do our 13 hour mystic rant. Um, yeah. The first six hours, by the way, we'll just be going through the 40 page PDF and then the other, <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. There we go. We still have some more things to rant about. We're going to rant about those later on sometime in the next few months, probably. We'll do another one so of these. So if you enjoyed this, look out for that. <laughs> uh, I don't know who this was for. This is for us, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. This was... <laughs> I I'm sorry if this wasn't very applicable to you and we didn't answer the question that you want us to, but it's just, it's just a therapeutic experience. Yeah. And I encourage you to do the same. This, um, <laughs> this was just... Yeah, this was really... This episode was just therapy for Gabe and I. Uh... <laughs> To vent about the paladin, mostly the paladin, and encounter building. Um, oh man, it <laughs> feels good. Hey, speaking of the paladin and other un uh, unbalanced things, we're doing a series you may not know. We're doing a series called Class Rebuild, where we are going to. It's replacing our class spotlight, which we finished last month. Every month, we're going to go through the next class in alphabetical order, and we're going to completely rebuild, revise, uh, retweak that class, make it more detailed. Uh, fix some of the issues with it, make it more balanced, stuff like that. The Barbarian episode is out. Go listen to it, last week's episode. You can find the uh, class rebuild. PDF on our Discord. Yep, exactly. Uh, to follow and... along. Yeah. And look out for the one coming next month on the Bard. Yeah. Which, not entirely, we haven't figured out what we're going to exactly do. But we I'm, will, and you'll yeah. go along there for it. We haven't really thought about anything what to do with that yet. Uh, I've had a couple ideas. Except route. for Counter Charm. Except <laughs> and Song of Rest. Um, so, yeah, look, look out for that. Uh, we got some other cool stuff. Maybe another actual play? Question mark? Um, I know Maybe you guys would like it. Maybe it down the road. Um, that, uh, those episodes get a lot of listens. Um, more than these ones. But, uh, so that's really cool. It means you guys are liking it, listening to it. By the way, the fifth session has more listens than the fourth session, which doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but there you go. <laughs> All right. Without further ado. That's the end of the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Instagram at D20 underscore Academy. Join our Discord. It's fun, great time. YouTube stuff is cool. Gabe, next week's episode. Next week's episode. Is this a wrap-up episode for road building? Uh, maybe. It might be. Maybe. Cool. It, it depends on how far we get. We've, we, we keep on extending the road building series. <laughs> we keep on finding more things to talk about. Yeah. But, potentially the last episode of our world building series, this one is going to be on magic. How do you design it? How does it affect your world? How do you incorporate it? Look out for that coming next week. And, guys, uh, first of all, thanks, yes, thank you so much for listening. Check out Class Rebuild. Check out, check out Unwelcome Spirits. And, to close, don't play Mystic. Play Mystic. Don't play Mystic. <laughs>